0: Well, it's <coughs> been a joy for us to be with you a privilege to fellowship this is the United Nations but the Christian Assembly of the United Nations because there's all kinds of nationalities amongst us make the most of it because this is the only day in the year you will see me dressed like this <laughs> I do not wear a tie even in Fiji now they accept me with an open neck shirt But because I conform to your standards <laughs> I appear before you with a tie on <laughs> And a coat yeah. <coughs> It's been a joy to share and think upon The thoughts that are the text Of what we have been looking at Be strong in the grace That is in Christ Jesus I want to uh, read through uh, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 this morning and lay a basis for the text we have been looking at. It's summarized on the board, verse by verse and the contents, but I want to read through, if you've got your Bible there, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2 and we will read through as a basis to what we want to look at. (coughs) 2 Timothy sorry 2 Timothy chapter 1 (laughs) from verse 1 2 Timothy 2 verse 1 is the text 2 Timothy (coughs) chapter 1 I want to read through Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy my dear son, grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience As night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers Recalling your tears I long to see you So that I may be filled with joy I have been reminded of your sincere faith Which first lived in your grandmother Lois And in your mother Eunice And I am persuaded now lives in you also For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear but a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline or a sound mind. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me his prisoner but join with me in suffering for the Gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. This is why I am suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed, because I know whom I have believed, and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching, with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me. Including Phigelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord show mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord, may the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day you know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. If you go to King James, Thou therefore my son. That is the preceding picture to underline the words beginning chapter 2, verse 1. Thou therefore my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So what I want to do this morning as far as possible is take us through chapter 1 because the first verse hinges on what we have just heard Thou therefore my son So we are stepping into an amazing historical background to these words I'll take you through this morning as far as we get and draw the truths that are there much more than what I will give out (laughs) true but it will lay an understanding for chapter 2 verse 1 Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus Let's bow in prayer We'll come to the word of God Exposition Father, we commit our time to you this morning We thank you for the word of truth We thank you for the spirit of truth We thank you for the promise that he will take the things of Jesus and make them real to us He will not speak of things about Himself. He will speak of things to come. And Lord, He will unveil to us, as no other can, the wonder of the Saviour we worship, the thankfulness to the Father who sent Him, the rich grace that is ours in Christ this morning. Break to us the bread of life. Feed our souls on Him, who alone can satisfy And will take us to the eternal dwelling places of God forever Our eternity rests on what Christ has done for us We thank you for that this morning And we come to the word We ask for your blessing on each one Bowed in your presence That you will minister into our lives The richness that is found only in Christ We ask it in Jesus name Amen Alright, there's a brief outline of the chapter Alright, you'll understand I'm a teacher (coughs) So you just split the whole thing apart and just verse by verse I have just put one or two words that summarize the content of that verse Now we're going to go in detail Then across to the next one We start with the greetings first Alright, you're in verse 1 and 2 of your text from Scripture And it's amazing because this letter is not written to the world. This letter is written to a believer. It has no message for the world because if the world hears the word Paul, it means nothing. Because there are many Pauls in our world. Is that clear? But in the world in which this church is, and the church of the Gentile world today, Paul has immense meaning. The one word Paul in your Bible it says he was called Saul. And from that point on, we only know him in Scripture as Paul. And even the demonic world knew him as Paul, not Saul. (laughs) Because in the incident of his missionary journeys, remember he was followed by that, um, he was having problems, Uh, there was uh, exorcists casting demons out, uh, and they were using Paul, Jesus, whom Paul preaches. They were using this this formula to cast, to cast out demons. We are told in Scripture. And Sceva Sig- had seven sons, and they were they were doing this. And in the process of time, something happened, out of the ordinary, totally different. As they were doing it, the demon came out and jumped on them, tore their clothes, damaged them, and they ran and fled because the demon said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And great fear fell because of this incident in Paul's ministry. He didn't manufacture it. It happened like that. So, even the demonic world knew Paul. How well do you know the name Paul? Because the Bible tells me he is the apostle, not an apostle. He is the apostle to the Gentiles. And I am a Gentile. I am not a Jew by birth, (laughs) all right, nor by circumcision. I am a Gentile, and this man from the end of Acts, through your Bible, epistle after epistle after epistle after epistle after epistle, and you have to get through to, and I'll say, James, before you end your contact with this man, you'll meet him again in Peter where Peter makes a comment after having been rebuked by Paul in an incident in the church in Antioch when certain came up from the church in Jerusalem and came and told the Gentiles, you must be circumcised and keep the law of Moses to be saved. And there was great dissension. And so they went up to Jerusalem and it was a hot debate. Did the Gentiles have to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses to be saved or not? And the decision is given to us with four requirements, has nothing to do with keeping the law And that decision was made. But when Peter came up to Antioch, the Gentile church, he ate with the Gentiles, we are told in Galatians. But when certain came up from Jerusalem, from Judea, Peter withdrew. He withdrew from them because he's a Jew. And Jews don't eat the things Gentiles do, do they? When Jews come to our place, we don't offer them bacon and pork and that kind of thing. Alright? You are conscious that they have a background. Their conscience tells them this is unclean because it's there in the Scripture. And so, we do not offend. We don't have to. But when when these Jews, the sect come up that believe that you have to keep the law of Moses, Peter withdrew. And so great was what was taking, He said, even Barnabas was carried away. His closest friend, accompanying him in all his missionary trips till a division brought them apart. He said, even Barnabas was carried away. And he rebuked Peter. He withstood him to his face. You are to blame. And he reasoned. You're a Jew. How do you make the Gentiles... You live like a Gentile. Why do you make the Gentiles live like Jews? And he reasoned out from Scripture and his understanding that he had done something very wrong. He he detected the beginning of something that would destroy the Gentile church. And Peter writes in his last epistle, he said, my dear brother Peter, uh, my, my my dear brother Paul <laughs> writes of these things. So we step into the name Paul, a man who is despised so much because of what he taught, a man who suffered more than anyone else probably did in the whole history of the church. His list, and he wrote them not to justify that men should look to him, but to, to answer the condemnation of those who say he had no right to stand as apostle to the Gentiles. And so we come to this man and he's called Paul. By the way, it's not Reverend Paul. And it's not Paul and he has no degrees after his name. He's just known as Paul. There's no other condemnation and no other commendation. (laughs) There's no other commendation given to this man. He's just Paul, a brother amongst many other brothers and sisters. That's his position. What he had, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That was his understanding. Paul, no title, He's known to all the saints and he lists himself amongst the whole of the rest of the apostles. We have a most amazing statement. If you take your Bible, you turn to 1 Corinthians 15 and you'll find the outlined gospel that he carried. 1 Corinthians 15 We're reading from verse. We read from verse 1. By the way, to those who are Pentecostal, of which I am part of the. This section is written after three chapters dealing with the operation of the gifts and their, their proper use and their proper attitudes to those who use them in the Scriptures. Are we clear? Because he now steps into the vital, basic area that is, every believer is dependent on what is written here. Now, brothers, I want to remind you, after I've covered the gifts, after I've covered many problems in the churches, I want to remind you of the Gospel I preached to you. You received and on which you have taken your stand. Where are you this morning? Where is your stand? Do you stand on the Gospel? You've taken your stand. You've received it. Paul said, I preached it. You received it. That has never changed. There is a pattern to salvation. The gospel comes, you receive it. You hear, you receive. And when you receive it, on that you take your stand for eternity. We are justified by God's grace and we stand in that grace. That's our standing. So what he says here. Which you received, on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel, you're saved. I thought I was saved by Jesus, but you cannot separate Jesus from the gospel. You can't separate His work from your salvation. You are dependent on your understanding of what Jesus did for you. Your faith is in Him. But there is content to the message about Him that you embrace by faith and you understand. The grounds of your salvation is the Lamb of God was sent by His Father in heaven. He was the sacrifice God made for the sin of the world. He's not willing that any perish. He wants us to come to repentance and acknowledge the truth. The truth as it is in Jesus. So we come to this amazing statement by this apostle. He says you you By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to what I preach to you unless you have believed in vain. Tell me, are you holding firmly? Because we this weekend have gone through the latter parts of the New Testament and seen there is going to come a departure from the faith. The faith that was once delivered to the saints. And so, Paul, with this in view, knowing and understanding how the devil will attack the church by false teaching, seeking to change and twist and distort the Scriptures. We have this man, Paul, commending to us a gospel that saves and cannot be changed. So, what he does is outline it. This is what he says, verse 3. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance. He is unique. There is none like Paul. You say, what do you mean? The rest of the apostles lived with Jesus, heard Jesus, were taught by Jesus as a fleshly body. Christ was on the earth, speaking to them, teaching them, leading them on. And for three years and a bit over, he is there and they've got him there. Not so Paul. Paul had been raised up in strict Judaism. And he says, what I received, I received from God by revelation. He argues it. There's no other. And the mystery of God's grace, the revealing of the mystery hidden from the foundation of the world, is revealed to this Judaistic Jew who did everything he could to destroy those who trusted in Jesus. And God took him and with one blinding revelation turned his whole life around. Lord, what must I do? So we have this man outlining here. He said, what I receive from the Lord Of first importance, I delivered it to you. Paul, what did you receive from the Lord? You were not at the cross. You were not there watching it. All the others knew all about it, but you didn't. What did you receive from the Lord? And then he outlines how Christ revealed truth to him. And this is the truth he revealed. That Christ died for our sins. Don't place anything else with it. Sin is the issue with God, not sickness. Christ died for our sins. Don't add anything else to it. You ask Paul, how do you know, Paul? It's according to the Scriptures. That's how I know. How do you know He died for your sins? It's according to the Scriptures because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. You justify what you believe because you support what you believe by the Scriptures. You have no other grounds. I have no other grounds. It is the ground of faith. The Word of God is the ground of faith. No wonder he says to this man Timothy afterwards, and I'll maybe get to it, I don't know. But Timothy grew up in a family. I mean, we've been talking about children and all that kind of thing a bit this week and the baptism, the water baptism that was had. Very thrilling for us to be here and just fellowship with you. From a child, Timothy, you've known the Holy Scriptures. Your Bible tells you his father was a Greek. His mother was a Jew. True? I wonder who taught him. The faith first dwelt in his grandmother. Then in his mother, we are told, then Paul says, I'm persuaded it's in you. From a child, you have known the Holy Scriptures. They're able to make you wise to salvation, and that's through faith in Christ. So he had an upbringing under a mother and a grandmother. Now, I read quite a bit. You've heard of C.H. Spurgeon, the preacher, uh, we call him a Baptist, all right? I, I've read his autobiography and that. Spurgeon had a unique relationship with his grandfather. Not his father, his grandfather. And when that grandfather, so, when, when Spurgeon had problems, he went, spiritual problems, he went to his grandfather. And you can get the, the, the talks that went on. He went, once he went to his grandfather and said, Grandfather, I have got thoughts in my mind. What kind of thoughts? He said, sometimes I think I'm not saved. Sometimes thoughts come in and I know they shouldn't be there. And he said this, he said, the birds fly through the air. You can't stop them flying, but don't let them make a nest in your head. What happens when the bird lays its nest in the head? It puts its eggs there and they hatch out and there's more birds in your head. (laughs) What's it mean? Thoughts come, but they don't have to take up residence in your mind. We quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. So clear were these two bonded together, because I'm going to bring it out with Paul and Timothy. When his grandfather preached and Spurgeon was late for the meeting. Spurgeon came in and his grandfather said, I've done this, this, and I'm up to here, take over. That is a united bond of understanding of the truth of the gospel, which is rare today in a family. But it existed here in this early church between Paul and Timothy. So we come to this amazing statement here. According to the scriptures, Christ died for our sins. But that is only the beginning of the gospel. That is the groundwork on which sin can be put away. But it doesn't end the gospel. If it did, how are you going to live? Because you're still in your body. You're still a person on earth in your body made out of dust, it's a vessel, and you know you're a sinner, you know your sins have been taken away, is there nothing else to go with salvation? So what he says is this, Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Then he says that he was buried, and we observed that truth lived out in water baptism in the public acknowledgement that Christ took this young man's place and died in his place yesterday. But Werner did not hold him under the water till the bubbles stopped coming because Christ did not remain in the grave. He rose. He rose from the dead Others had risen from the dead, but they had mortal bodies when they did because Christ brought them back to life in the mortal body. But when Christ rose, the body He rose in was flesh and bone. Not mortal. It was immortal. It was incorruptible. God had an answer to the entry of sin. He answers the consequences of sin which is death, now and onward. And He introduces eternal life. Not just living forever, but your body, the body you are in now, is going to be changed to be made like His glorified body, so you can dwell with God forever. This mortal, he says, is going to put on immortality. This corrupted. I'm indwelling a corrupt body. And so are you. My hair's fallen out. Some of yours is proceeding to go that way. Right? There is evidence within your body that you are indwelling a decaying body. What's your hope? This is not the end. Death is not the end. We sleep waiting for a call. Come up hither! The trumpet call will sound. The dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain, caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. If the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, He that raised Christ from the dead will quicken your mortal body by His Spirit that dwells in you. If that's true, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after it. We, through the Spirit, mortify or put to death the deeds of the body. God has called us to holiness, we read here. There is a call on every believer to holiness. When he writes to Titus, he has these words. The grace of God that brings salvation, which we've been dealing with, teaches us. Grace, not the law. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly lust and live soberly, righteously and godly in this world. Grace teaches and you have a, a John uh, yeah. Newton's, I get Isaac and John mixed up, John, John, John Newton, the slave trader, those words we sing in Amazing Grace, he outlines the tremendous deliverance from sin in his life, from a wretch. He, he just lived as a wretch before God brought him out of that darkness. So we have this statement here. If I said to you, how do you know Jesus Christ rose from the dead? What's your answer? Because it says you take your stand on this. This is the gospel. You take your stand on it. How do you know Jesus rose from the dead? How do you know? Is it a feeling you've got? Well, how do you know? It's according to the Scriptures. Faith comes by the Word of God. Hearing it. Preach the Word. Faith comes by hearing the Word. So, we understand when the Gospel is preached, the foundation of what you're hearing is the Old Testament. Not your new. You preach the gospel with the Old Testament because faith, the gospel you preach, is grounded on what God has prophesied about His Son. If there's one chapter in the Old Testament... The Jews avoid it's Isaiah 53 because it is the clearest exposition in the Old Testament of the suffering Messiah. But to us, it means everything that chapter. So when you come here, we understand there is a gospel, and when you go down in your text, he's outlined the gospel. He deals with the appearing of Christ. Before he went to heaven, the forty days, he appeared. By many infallible proofs, he showed himself alive. And we have the records through Scripture. But in the last, if you go down in your text into verse 11, these are the words. Verse 11 in 1 Corinthians 15 whether it was I or they, the other apostles, this is what we preached and this is what you believed. Can you say that tonight? We must enter into the church of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. It began here and the process has never altered. Without the word of the gospel, there is no salvation takes place because faith is required without faith it's impossible to please god you come to god you must believe he is and he rewards those who diligently seek him the whole heart is set on knowing god they seek him it's in peter's epistle that he records some of this. And he says, You have been born again, not of corruptible seed, that's decayable matter, things that will give way over time. You have been born again, not of incorruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God. The birth takes place by the word of God. Now it says, this gospel is not like the flowers of the field, because we are like that. The flowers of the field, you cut them, they wither, they go. Man is like that. Here for a period, cut down, withered, you go. But the seed you receive is incorruptible. And this is the gospel which was preached to you, is how the King James has it in Peter. This is the gospel. So, when Jesus gave the command, preach the gospel to every creature, he had its content in view and Paul took that because he had a revelation, he met with Christ and was revealed to him, individually, not like the rest, and he used that as his absolute authority to speak as the apostle to the Gentiles. And if you are sitting here today, we have to listen. The man, this man spoke, not any other apostle. He occupies so much. He's unique in his bond with Christ as no other. He will present the church as a pure virgin to Christ. these are the words of John the Baptist it's my joy to hear the bridegroom's voice and John was a great man of God he that is least in the kingdom of God Jesus said is greater than this man you say who is least Paul says I am the least of all the apostles I am not fit to be called an apostle But that one who is least amongst all the apostles made the statement, I have betrothed you, espoused you to one husband. I want to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. You say, how does he do that? God's word must wash us to make us pure. There is no other way. He will receive his Bride to himself, washed in the water of the word, and you will not get past Romans through to Hebrews, and you're listening to the apostle to the Gentiles. Every time. A privileged position, we do not worship Paul, but we acknowledge God's right to do as he wishes, and he has done it with this man. And so our ears have to be attuned. Our hearts responsive to the way God speaks to us with absolute authority through a man filled with the Holy Spirit who suffered and the list of his sufferings and what he went through are here in Scripture. It's all there. So this is Paul. That's the first word in this text. As you realise, I've got a full chapter before you. Let me touch just on thoughts as we go, to lay the basis for the first verse in chapter 2, verse 1. You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. You must take in chapter 1 before you assess chapter 2, verse 1. Why does Paul say, my son? What's the relationship? He said, as a son with his father, he has served with me in the gospel. That's Paul's comment in Philippians. As a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. He said, all seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. But to Timothy he said, He's a, as a son, with the Father, He has served with, I have no man like-minded. He will naturally care for you. All seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. He is mentoring and uh, leaving behind a man who has gone with Him in missionary trips, who has gone with Him constantly who has listened to his teaching, has observed his living, the pattern of sound doctrine, everything he's put into this young man. He said, I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Sheep had a shepherd. All seek their own, not the things that are Jesus Christ. You're stepping into an early church which the apostles are leaving. They're dying out by martyrdom and you have this amazing letter to Timothy because he will stay and he will have responsibilities particularly with the church at Ephesus he leaves him like that when you're reading through it's amazing he says about his prayer life he said I pray night and day night and day I give thanks for you I pray for you I recall your tears tears what tears when you're reading your Bible Paul got to Ephesus he called for the elders to come and when they came and Timothy was responsible at Ephesus and Timothy was with him on his missionary trip they come He explains to them the future they will face. After my departure, he said, grievous wolves will come in. They will not spare the flock. Even from your own selves, men will arise and they'll distort the scriptures, they'll twist them. They'll want to draw away disciples after themselves. Watch and remember. He explains for the time he was with them, I counseled you, I warned you night and day with tears but he gets to the beach they're going to depart on the ship and he told them I will see you no more and they wept and they embraced him he said you will see my face no more because in every city he went to the Holy Spirit testified to what he was heading into and he remembered Timothy weeping I will see your face no more as a word to the elders when you go through the book of Timothy I long to see you come as quickly as you can he wanted to have words to say to this young man I know my departure is near come quickly I long to see you because I want to be filled with joy at what I observe in you the fellowship There is a uniqueness, a bonding, that I believe can exist in leadership of churches. That is absolutely necessary. Because as older people, we must realize we are are dispensable. We are not indispensable. God raises up others to do the work. Our responsibility is to have the grace to pass on responsibility to others, allow them to make failures and mistakes, and be there to build and counsel as they're going through. The church only survives by that method. Paul said to him, The things you heard from me, among many witnesses, the same. Commit to faithful men. If you're in this building today, you're in a body of Christ. You are having things committed to you. Guard them. Guard them. Don't let them slip. Don't let them leak out like a leaking vessel. Hebrews chapter 2 one says, We ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Lest at any time we let them slip. And it's two pictures, because I'm in the island, these are the two pictures, alright? These are the pictures he's using. You're in a canoe. You've got your canoe with a rope, and it's high tide, and you're in next to the, um, the uh, shore, and you tie it up on a bit of a mangrove tree, and you go to sleep. You go right off, and the rope comes loose, and the tide starts to go out, and the canoe just drift, 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 drift. You finally wake up, and where are you? No land in sight. What has happened? You've drifted. You've drifted. The other picture I see in the islands that I'm in villages is the water comes from the river. You may be a long day from the river. So, you go and get your container. You bring it back with water in because you've got to drink, you've got to cook, you've got to wash, all that. So, you bring the water back. But you don't notice there's a hole in that bucket. You put it down and you leave it there. It's leaking out. You don't hear it. You don't notice it. It's happening. And you suddenly need water for something and you go to the bucket empty. We have so great salvation, we are told, so great. Have you grasped its greatness? Don't let it run out like a leaking vessel. Don't drift. No wonder he says to Sardis, wake up! Wake up! You can sleep, drift, and not realize what is happening around you, spiritually. And some do not even recognize or don't want to know what's happening in the physical world around them. Or want to explain away the reality of the world we are living in. So what do we do? We go and worship our idols. Mother Nature! She is the goddess they're worshipping today. You listen to your media. Mother Nature did this. This has happened because of Mother Nature. Might have another name, El Nino. Alright? The whole world is taking on a totally idolatrous attitude because... The clouds do not themselves give rain. It's you, O Lord. Therefore, we will look to you. That's Jeremiah. If you want to read God's control, read the book of Job. It's amazing. And he lived before Moses. So, when you step into Scripture, we are dealing with the facts as they are. And what we've gathered from here is the gospel you and I hold dear is leaking out it's going and it's clear message is being lost who'll say amen to that these evangelists who once shook nations where are they today Billy Graham's nearly dead God has allowed him to live on There are other evangelists of His quality in other countries we don't hear much about. If there was ever a time we needed godly evangelists, it's now. I cannot but marvel that when we look at Him, we look at several men who so operated together in prayer and preaching and presentation that they remain united right to the end. George Beverly Shea, Billy Graham, Cliff Barrows, these men, while others are collapsing and crumbling all around, these men have a credibility and a solidity that we look up to. And it's a privilege to have known that these men were God's gift to the generation I grew up in I was there when there was a crusade in Brisbane many years ago I was very young I listened to the Billy Graham I did not respond clearly at that time it took the scripture union camp for me later but I heard the gospel under him but they were immense gatherings in Sydney in Brisbane and you know why the effect of those I'll tell you what happened the tax. Department got a massive money in because people got converted and sent their debts to the, ca- to the tax department. Owe no man anything. Didn't have to be taught it. Understood they have come out of the darkness. They don't want anything to do with a life that has conned others and got away with things they just gave. And it's a testimony of the tax department at that time. The amount of money that came in because people had turned away from sin so there's a need a great need today and I guess you are mentoring here young men young women to stand for truth because by the way we're getting old aren't we Werner we are passing on we do not know the time but it is one necessity is to prepare you for what you're going to face and that is what God Paul did with Timothy. He prepared him. And there's an absolute necessity today to prepare the body of Christ because those who are at present leading it are going to leave. Not because they want to, they'll be taken. Death will take them unless Jesus comes. So there is responsibility rests with many of you sitting here to remain faithful to the faith which was once delivered to the saints. I trust as you go through this book of Timothy because I have just touched the surface. As you go through this book of Timothy after this can, registered in your memory will be be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I trust it helps you over time ahead. May it rest in your memory that that is so. I have no idea of time. Time? Okay. I'm always troubled with time. I did not create it. God did. God controls it. You control me (laughs) Time will end But before the foundation Of this world The beginning of time In God's own purpose And grace He had in view His own son Unveiling His grace At a cross Where God the Father would take the place of Abraham. He would bear the knife, the sword you saw in Genesis chapter three, placed at the entrance to the garden. Awake, O sword, against the man who is my fellow, says the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd. So in the hands of the Almighty Father of our Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, his son. What you cannot see, because we view the physical happenings of that day, you cannot see what is really taking place. You are watching a reality where the shadow of Abraham and Isaac is going to be outplayed before the whole world, where the Son of God would hang on a cross in absolute shame, naked, beaten, bruised beyond measure, And darkness comes over. And the cry from his lips, It is finished! That is triumph! Suffering has led to a finished work. He put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. What a victory we can proclaim. That God has dealt with sin, and he's promised eternal life to those who will receive him. And many as received him, to them he gave the authority, the right, the power to become the sons of God. What a salvation. How gracious God has been. Beyond measure to us. We did not deserve this. We had not thought about it. This is God's gospel, not man. So let's give him the glory, let's give him the honour for now, what we now know Christ has really done for us. The grace of God has come to us in Christ Jesus. Thank you, oh bless you. Let's bow in prayer. <clears throat> Father, we thank you this morning. We are privileged to turn to the Word of God. We are privileged to listen to the writings that are here, May they not be clouded by our interpretation. May they shine forth in all their beauty and truth. Because when they shine into the darkened heart of an unregenerate person, they bring in the only light that can change from inside out. Lord, there is a birth takes place when the incorruptible seed of the Word of God takes up residence within us. Christ in us is the hope of glory. There is no salvation like it. Don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's in you. You have Him from God. You're not your own. You've been purchased with a price. Glorify God in your spirit and your body because they belong to Him. You've called us to a holy life. You've called us to live by Your grace. May we glorify you in the manner in which we speak, live, and carry out our business in this world. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.